Hey everyone and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be diving into episodes 346 through 348, which will cover manga chapters 452 through 454. And we get a lot going on in these episodes with several groups of the Straw Hats all split up on various parts of Thriller Bark and in trouble from wild boar brides to giant spider monkeys and a shibukai as well. So let's get into it. So the synopsis with Luffy captured... Now all three of the monster trio are currently down, and it's up to the others to figure out what's going on and save them. Nami, Usopp, and Chopper need to get away from Absalom and Lola, while Frankie and Robin need to somehow get past the general zombies and the giant spider monkey that are in their way. Alrighty, so differences. There are a couple differences. Um, The first one being during the scene where the trio of Robin, Frankie, and Luffy are surrounded by the general zombies, In the anime, it cuts off to a scene with Lola chasing Absalom, but in the manga, we actually get to see this entire conflict and escape play out in its entirety, uh, which we won't get to see this until much later. So really, the the difference is is the fact that this whole conflict with the general zombies is kind of cut off by this additional scene of Lola and Absalom. Additionally, this scene where Absalom and Lola are running around in the castle is filler, and it's added in. In the manga, we actually don't see the pair again till they actually show up in the forest where the cowardly trio are. However, a scene very similar to this does actually happen in the manga, but it's been slightly altered a little bit, and it originally happens as the last scene where Lola was first introduced just after she tries to get Absalom to sign the marriage license or get his stamp. And so, yeah, there's just a couple scenes sort of shuffled around and altered a little bit in terms of sequencing i guess you can say another difference that we see is we get an inserted scene in the anime of perona preparing to raid the sunny for the straw hat's treasure as well as a scene where we see what happens to zoro as he's trapped in the coffin like nami usopp and chopper were however these two scenes never actually happened in the manga but i mean it's implied that they happened but we're never actually outright shown it in the manga and then finally the Nami, Usopp, and Chopper, and Lola chase scene is extended slightly, as in the manga, the scene just ends after Usopp suggests that they all split up with Nami getting pissed off at him, because it's clear that Lola will chase Nami. Um, but yeah, in the anime, we actually get to see a lot more stuff happening. So everything after that sort of exchange between Nami and Usopp, all the, the chase stuff is all added filler. So, you know... Again, most of these changes aren't anything really too big. They're just meant to sort of pad out time so that uh, they can draw or keep some pace between the anime and the manga. All right, so that's it for the differences. So let's get into the episodes themselves. And we start this set of episodes off on a very good and funny start with a fun exchange between Luffy and Frankie as Luffy does his own thing like usual and messes around even as his nakama are disappearing left and right. But I like seeing new crew members sort of get genuine time to interact with each other. And Luffy at some point finds a set of armor and just throws it on because that's what people do. Um, And I love that even though Frankie gives him a hard time for that, Luffy appeals to Frankie's weak spot, which is right in the feels, calling out his lack of romance and wonder. And the best part is the exchange uh, that he has a steel body but has his heart been you know been forged out of steel as well and he forgot his spirit of wonder 
And Frankie's disillusioned response being, I never meant to turn my heart to steel. <laughs> it's, I, yeah, I really love how Frankie gives out this really like tough, hard-boiled like um, sort of persona. But at its, at its core, he, he is a very emotional a- a person that, that really displays his emotion when it gets to him. And for me, the icing on the on the top of the cake for this scene is yet again we get to see what viewing this absurd exchange from an outsider's perspective is like, and how stupid it must seem, as we sort of get the pig zombie uh, sort of internal dialogue of of wondering if they actually know what kind of a dangerous situation they're in, and if they're taking any of this seriously. <laughs> It's here we get to see the trio attacked by a general zombie dressed in a similar knight armor to the one Luffy is wearing. Just as we thought these guys are on a different level from the regular zombie as Frankie goes toe-to-toe with it and is kind of being pushed a little bit. This makes for an interesting foe because of the fact that zombies feel no pain and for some reason these guys don't get exhausted like the, the normal zombies we saw earlier. They're then trapped in this arena as more general zombies appear, all looking more intimidating than the last. But can we take a moment to recognize that Hogback and Moria decided to turn the wall into a zombie? <laughs> like, why? It's it's also literally just called a wall zombie. <laughs> so stupid. And I it's its only purpose is to just open and shut. I don't even know how that even like what's fulfilling for that zombie whatsoever but i just think it's a really <laughs> silly detail we next get a scene like i mentioned in the differences section that we never got to see in the manga where zoro gets his shadow taken and sort of a tease of moria as well now two members of the monster trio are down or without their shadows in just a short while we see what happens to zoro's shadow and get a pretty clear idea of what's actually happening after this. Moria is stealing people's shadow and inserting them into zombie bodies that Hogback is creating, which is what's reanimating the zombies. With this added context, this now explains what is happening with Duma, as most likely Duma has Brooke's shadow. And the crazy thing is, is that the zombies have the same abilities as their original owner. So just as we saw... Duma being able to perform Brook's abilities. Zoro's shadow zombie thingy is sent to attack Luffy and the others down in the arena with that zombie being able to do Zoro's 36-pound phoenix or Sanju Rokpondoho. And this also gives us a taste of potentially how strong Brook could actually be because given how strong Duma is. And I love how... The zombie spouts Zoro's famous line about how it's shameful for a swordman to have scars on their backs, but then follows it up by saying his body is just covered in scars because, well, he's a zombie. (laughs) Um, I thought that was a pretty funny joke. But while being distracted, Luffy gets captured and holy shit, you know, it's like Luffy's shadow is going to be taken. Like what is going to happen if Moria gets his hands on Luffy's shadow? Like, that zombie is going to be buff. And it'll be interesting to see if shadow zombies can inherit devil fruits, too. I I mean, when I first read this, I doubted it. Um, but I won't really spoil much more than that. A very interesting fruit, um, you know, that Moria has. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see 
that fruit be more fleshed out, especially once we actually see Moria in more detail. Even though Luffy has been captured, Robin and Frankie manage to get out of the arena, and I love that little bit with Frankie using fresh fire on them due to their weakness being fire, but the zombies have a countermeasure now. <laughs> but it's this really crude method of carrying around buckets of water that they just douse themselves with. It's so stupid, it's kind of brilliant. Um, I just thought that was really funny. One thing I want to point out about this scene, because I believe it's really the first time since being rescued in NES Lobby, Robin has said any one of the crew's names out loud and actually called them by their real names. So if you've been paying attention up till now, ever since Robin joined them post uh, Arabasta, Robin has never referred to the crew by their actual names, rather opting to instead use their role on the ship, like referring to Luffy as Captain-san or Sencho-san, or Zoro as Swordsman-san or Kenshi-san, or I guess, you know, San being like the suffix similar to our prefix of like Mr., so like Mr. Swordsman. Or again, another example would be Nami as Miss Navigator or Kokashi-san. And with the only one who she referred to slightly different was Usopp, which she didn't actually use his title as the sniper. She actually called him Nagahana-kun, which is really funny. I mean, all that translates to his long nose kid, Um, which I don't know why she decided to do that, but I think that was just Oda being a little bit more funnier. But yeah, while she's never really had... A, a role name for Frankie because they basically joined or Frankie joined after Robin was sort of freed of the the bonds from CP9 and in the world government but she actually calls out to Frankie by his name as she swings by to lift him out of the zombie horde but then later on as they notice um, the coffin sort of being pulled and floated away she actually calls out to Luffy as Luffy and not Sencho-san or Captain-san, which is pretty cool that she's done this. And this is really cool character growth, you know, for Robin, as it's clear that she's been taking care to keep the crew at arm's length up till NES Lobby and not get too attached to them for the inevitable moment where she'll need to cut and run. But the events of NES Lobby and her now fully, you know, with her fully committed to the crew, and more importantly, her seeing that the crew is fully committed to her, she's now able to fully embrace them and refer to them by their actual names, which is a really touching and sweet thing. I just love that little character touch. It's one of my favorite developments in any character in One Piece. Like, and It just shows how much growth Robin's undergone and how much closer she is to everyone despite her still very stoic demeanor. Moving on, on the other side, the penguin dog Sanji zombie thing is actually protecting Nami still, and the interesting thing and another bit of efficient writing on Oda's part is how he manages to weave in exposition about how the shadows and zombies work with just quick lines of dialogue between the other zombies, like how a person's innate will or spirit can sometimes overpower Moria's commands to a certain extent, and that the strength that, the, that a zombie has is in fact directly correlated to the strength of the person whose shadow it was taken from. And although in Sanji's case, it's only strong enough when it comes to women, <laughs> uh, we do see that it, it's a, it's limited to the body that they were put in, which is probably why Duma with Brook's shadow is so strong because Duma himself was a legendary samurai and then adding Brook's somewhat powerful shadow to it 
probably made it even stronger. But just then, Lola and Absalom burst onto the scene without any warning. And also, Aya Hisakawa, who plays Lola, gives an amazing performance throughout this entire arc. As she does this really funny thing where she can go with this like very high-pitched, cutesy voice that you normally would associate with like anime girls to this incredibly menacing, low-pitched voice on a dime when she attacks. It's honestly really entertaining and one of the reasons why I slowly start to kind of like Lola a little bit despite her villainous nature. Then we get another bit of really funny comedy as Lola moves in to attack Nami. Dogwin are the what we're referring to the uh, Sanji dog penguin thing. Uh, intervenes to protect Nami, but he doesn't counterattack because Lola is a woman. And there's two funny bits to this. So the first part is, at least my interpretation of the way it's drawn in the manga and how it's animated in the anime. But I love that it seemingly shows Dogwin kind of contemplating and has to really think about whether Lola is actually a woman. Because... (laughs) When you see this shot in both the manga and the anime, it actually pays like a little bit of focus to showing a close-up of Dogwin's face. And and it's kind of just like, looks like he's just processing like, is this an actual woman? (laughs) And then he decides not to kick. And I find that really funny. But then to follow that up, when Dogwin says Sanji's famous line about how he'll never kick a woman, Usopp and Chopper's reaction of, genuine but comical admiration is pretty hilarious as they're more surprised that he could actually tell that Lola was a woman to which Lola takes offense to obviously um but yeah that that whole exchange was pretty pretty funny and entertaining for me at least but then we get some more grossness from Absalom as he mentions that he was peeping on Nami in the bath to see her quote wares, which is just gross. I, I, like I still can't believe Oda actually went there. I know he, I know Absalom is a villain, but that's just too far in my opinion, and kind of genuinely makes me uncomfortable. Um, so we're just gonna move past that. But anyways, kind of jumping ahead to episode three forty eight though. Uh, later we see Lola catch up to Nami, but in order to survive, at the very last second, Nami breaks out the strangest lie ever where she claims that she's actually a cross-dressing man in hopes that that will quell Lola's jealousy. And it actually works as she and Chopper are shocked to learn that, of course, (laughs) you know, Usopp knows that that's a lie, but Chopper is just really gullible to anything because of his naivety. And I think one of the funnier little details is how Nami starts to talk like Bonkle, um, as that is her only experience with a cross-dressing man, and just assumes that they all talk like that, which could be kind of a offensive stereotype, but it's just funny hearing Nami use the Jodanjanaiwayao, <laughs> like, and she actually says it in that weird intonation too, like, like Bonkle. However, to kind of offset those two things, I think one of the sweetest things born out of this lie is the instant friendship between them because Nami is actually encouraging and shipping uh, Lola and Absalom, even if it is just to save her her hide. You know, Nami even makes a fake, slightly more masculine version of her name, Namizo. (laughs) I'm not even going to go into all the subtle jokes here, but definitely the dialogue is pretty hilarious, including the internal monologue from both Usopp and Chopper. But I also like that that little visual cue of how Lola is actually sitting on a chair, but it's been flattened because she's so big. 
And this is actually a detail you don't really get to see in the manga because in the panel that shows this particular shot, Usopp is in the foreground obscuring the chair. So to manga readers, Lola is actually just sitting on the ground. But I like that in the anime, they show the detail that she is in fact sitting on a chair. She's been crushed because of her weight and size. Absalom eventually shows up and forces them to go on the run again, which sees them get to Perona's part of the castle. But anyways, after we see Lola's chase of the trio, we get to see an update on what's happening with Robin and Frankie versus the giant spider monkey, which in this case is a literal hybrid spider and monkey. And yeah, Oda is a very cheeky guy. (laughs) Also, I know it's a stupid joke, but I always get a chuckle when Robin points out the big ears on the spider monkey are really good for intel gathering, but the spider monkey responds by not hearing anything she just said, with Frankie beside himself saying, they're just for show. <laughs> um, I really, yeah, I really like that. I, I don't know why those kinds of like weird jokes always get me, but they do. Surrounded on the bridge by the zombies, Frankie decides to do the only sensible thing, which is to use a coup event to destroy the bridge underneath them, and then figure it out later. And I think it's cool, though, even even though Robin has no idea what Frankie has in mind, she just kind of goes with it and trusts Frankie. And also, Frankie trusts Robin to follow up. And as they begin to fall, something very unexpected happens. Robin begins to use her powers to sprout a bunch of arms on her back to form a huge pair of wings. And that's crazy that she could use her powers like this. And it's something that never occurred to me. And like us, Frankie is surprised, wondering, can Robin actually fly? And funnily, Robin does confirm she can fly for five seconds. <laughs> and that's a that's still impressive. I guess that kind of indicates to us sort of the limits of her ability. And the limit seems to be the more limbs she sprouts, the less time she can have them out. At least that's how I'm reading this. And so, yeah, it's not only a very cool thing, but it also kind of informs us a little bit more about Robin and her powers. And also, shout out to Toei for the extra effort they put into this moment, as they give this little ability a, 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 a slight panache with better shading, lighting, as well as like smoother animation. It almost looked like a, a Sailor Moon transformation, <laughs> which was really fun. And it's interesting, too, because this moment isn't given as much emphasis in the manga, So this was all a directorial and creative decision by the director of this episode, uh, Hiroki Miyamoto, as well as the animators and the key art directors. They both make it back to the doorway, but the spider monkey is still up. But before any of them can process what to do next, Brooke comes raining down, which is where this episode ends. uh, Episode 347, that is. And in episode 348, we get an update to what happened to Luffy in the beginning of it but the biggest reveal is our best look at moria so far he's definitely a really strange character design probably my least favorite of the shibukai revealed so far i mean he's this really huge guy but at the same time he has such an awkward body shape like a very and a very goofy looking face not to mention that voice is really unthreatening uh it's just like really nasally and just i don't know it just doesn't really suit a villain i feel like that's just my opinion, though. But I think a lot of people kind of agree with me, at least in the fandom. A lot of people don't like Moria's sort of design and him just... I think he's probably the least favorite Shibukai uh, of the original seven, anyways. I do want to give a little shout-out and a mention to that funny little exposition from Perona as she's sort of, you know, having her men loot the Sunny. 
She can't believe that a crew that's said to have beaten the crocodile has so little treasure and things of value on board, except for this crazy amount of food. <laughs> so the, this basically is alluding to the fact that they are still diverting most of their finances all to feeding Luffy and keeping the fridge stocked, which is so funny. I, it's just, yeah, I like that little detail. Anyways, once we get back to the cowardly trio, they've now made it to Perona's room, and in a bit of haste, the three decide to climb into Kumashi, one of Perona's main servant zombies. It's this little bear, or not little, but he's actually pretty giant, bear-looking thing that's kind of made to look like a nurse. Um, and this is where we get some wordplay with Absalom, but unlike many of the Japanese wordplays before that are kind of lost in translation, this one, the translators actually make it work both in, in English and in Japanese. Perona is uh, obviously very strict and short with her zombies, and it appears especially so with Kamashi, where she's only interested in him because of his cute looks and doesn't really want to hear him speak, constantly yelling at him to shut up which is, you know, I feel bad for Kamashi, to be honest. And when seeing this, Absalom makes this sort of wordplay joke saying Perona is very harsh on Kamashi. And in Japanese, Absalom says, Teme wa Kimashi. Um, arguably, this is actually a lame attempt at wordplay because it doesn't even really work since harsh in Japanese is Kibishi, which Absalom just mashes the two together to make Kimashi. Uh, just combining kumashi and kibishi and it's just i don't know it's pretty lame it almost makes me wonder if oda did this on purpose because absalom just plays this so straight and he's like dead serious and it, and i'm not even sure if he's aware that it's a bad wordplay joke because you could argue the english joke actually makes more sense and is better but maybe that wasn't the original intent of this joke but I will leave that interpretation up to you because um, I still haven't quite decided which way it lands myself. Then finally, to round out these three episodes, jumping back to Robin and Frankie, we finally get to see the aftermath of Brooke raining down from the sky. And it looks like based on what Robin sees is that she surmises, or at least we can surmise, that Brooke did in fact find Duma and attempted to take his shadow back but was defeated which sent him careening down the tower. As you could see, Robin noticed uh, Duma's silhouette before it disappears very quickly. We get to see Robin and Frankie kind of flex their respective skills when the spider monkey returns as Robin kind of outsmarts it by immediately becoming aware of its abilities and blinding it temporarily, with Frankie going on to build some more suitable weapons out of this sort of like steel nunchucks by sticking them into like pillars. Uh, which was which was really cool to see, and kind of I when I first read this, I, I I knew Frankie obviously had like superhuman strength, but I didn't quite understand just how much strength he had. Like he's actually really strong, um, being able to sort of like lift those pillars up like it's nothing. And although they're eventually overwhelmed by the smaller spider mice, um, and, and they get into trouble. Although one thing I have to mention with this scene is I can't in- ignore the ridiculously like sexual fan serviceness of Robin's capture, as for some reason the the animators focus in on her boobs and waist jiggling as she gets webbed, which does not happen in the manga. It's actually just a wide shot of her getting webbed up, and it does doesn't really emphasize any of her body parts, just her overall. So. <laughs> I don't know. 
the fan service is just getting a little bit more and more pervasive in the series, which, like I've said in the past, I'm not a fan of. But now that they're captured, just when you think they're in trouble, Brooke begins to sing in an, in- an incredibly catchy but ominous tune to intimidate his opponents. But we will also learn that Brooke is capable of jumping great heights due to his lightness. And the episode ends with a huge epic Brooke moment as he just walks past the spider monkey calmly declaring that the fight is already over. And we get to see for the first time Brooke's signature attack, the Hanauta Sancho Yahazukiri, or the three-pace hum notch slash. Now, we did get to see Ryuma use this earlier on Nami, Usopp, and Chopper, but seeing it here is way more awesome, seeing Brooke use it. And I think my favorite thing about the way Cho, the man who plays Brooke, how he voices this, is how calm he is when he says, Hanauta Sancho, and then he, as he finishes sheathing his sword, he aggressively yells out, Yahazugiri! And yeah, with his victim just being slashed without them even noticing behind him, by the time they realize it's too late. And I, yeah, I just really like seeing Brooke do this. I, and no, no matter how many times he does this, I never get tired of seeing it. And this being the first time was really cool to see. Anyways, that kind of brings these three episodes to a close. While these episodes didn't necessarily advance the plot all that much, and it did have a decent amount of filler and padding, it does it did reveal a lot more about the island and its inhabitants, but it also developed and revealed more about the Strong Hats, which was pretty cool, especially with the newer characters like Robin and Frankie, and even, to an extent, Brooke, who's not obviously officially a member yet, but it was still really fun to see, I think. And yeah, overall, I enjoyed most of these episodes. But anyways, that's it for this podcast. If you did enjoy this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Check out my Instagram and Twitter at SunnyGoPodcast for updates on when I post new episodes or some new pictures. Also, I started recently streaming via Twitch. So if you want to come chat or watch me play games, I'd be happy to see you at twitch.tv slash sunny underscore underscore go. And yeah, currently I am streaming One Piece Odyssey. So it's kind of a cross promotion thing, I guess you can say. Um, So yeah, come check that out. And as always, I wanted to thank you for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. No spoilers uh, for this week, but stay safe out there and I hope to see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.